Hello to football supporters around the world, and especially here in Thailand, welcome to the Portcast Podcast, with news, views, and profiles of the supporters of Thai Port FC, or as they say in Thai, Tarua FC. And now, here's your host. Arguably the most knowledgeable Port FC supporter this side of Janet the Hutt. Ladies and gentlemen, Tom Earl. Oh okay, welcome to our second podcast in three days, I think it is. So it's been obviously a, a period where we've all been trying to get through the boring days one way or another and apparently my way is to do podcasts <laughs> at home but today i am joined by another real life person amazing so uh, welcome to the sandpit editor tim good afternoon so good afternoon thank you for helping me uh, alleviate the boredom of the lockdown yeah and we have some uh, some liquid nourishment to yeah. help us through we as well leos actually the, the last podcast i did with uh, with james was the first time I think I've ever done one without alcohol. Really? I think we, we did it in the morning, maybe like 10, 11 o'clock in the morning. And I, I don't have any alcohol at home anyway. At the and that was by Skype or something, right? Well, yeah, we So did it's not it. quite, yeah, it'd be pretty sad sitting doing it on your own. It's true. Drinking on your own. My setup, you were just talking about my setup for this podcast and it, it does look very like kind of well set up and professional today. Yesterday, or when I did the podcast with, with James, because I was trying to get the the audio from my phone from James speaking onto the microphone I I literally had like his like my phone stacked up on a load of books to get it to the right (laughs) level to go directly into the microphone and because of all that I had like my computers down here I had something on the TV screen and I actually I was just sitting on like a cushion on the floor and it looked like a complete mess I was like sat around in my underwear as well so so that was a bit A very different, uh, very different setup. But it looks very professional. I'm, I'm impressed. We look, we could almost be in a proper uh, recording studio, almost. almost. Apart from all the beer. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I'm, I'm sure a lot of that goes on. Pretty normal recording So the agenda for today is to talk about the big news, the biggest news of any uh, any club during this last period which isn't saying much because nothing but it's literally still big, nothing it's is still happening. big news it would be big news even if other things had been happening and that is that choke has been sacked as port manager well can we say he's been sacked i am um, he's he's been resigned maybe i mean the, the, well, the first resigned, the first story was that that he'd quit wasn't it the news that port first put out and then he did an interview and said that he hadn't quit and that they just stopped paying him yeah um and and then We'll, we'll discuss it in a second, but then obviously Pang retaliated with her long, epic, self-pitying, rambling post on Facebook. We will, we will, um, get which into we'll, which we'll get into. But it's it's amazing that Port still managed to turn themselves into a complete circus, even when there's absolutely nothing going on in Thai football. There's a complete shutdown, and still <laughs> everyone's talking about Port. That's true. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about that, and then we're gonna go on and talk about. We're bit, we actually we've been inspired for our second segment by. Uh, Andy Hailstone. Andy Hailstone, yeah. Who wrote a very nice piece on the sandpit about his 
was it his kind of favourite his favourite all time Port 11 not what he thinks is the best necessarily the best all time Port 11 but the the favourite and as you'll see from our favourites they're definitely not the best all time they're definitely not not pretty far from the best all time Port 11s but but yeah me and Tim have come up with uh, with versions of that and we encourage everyone else um Send, send us your all-time best 11s and we'll publish them. Yeah. Because well, you've got nothing else to do at the moment. You've so. got nothing else. We've got nothing else. It'll be a good laugh. And uh, hopefully you'll be inspired by some of our, um, by some of our picks or disgusted. Yeah. <laughs> shocked and, shocked and appalled, <laughs> I think, in one particular case. In one, one of Tom's, you'll definitely be... Certain people will be absolutely appalled by it. I agree oh, with him. But Anyway, we'll, we'll, we won't spoil the surprise. We'll come on to that later. Okay, so let's let's get started with the with the choke interview. Obviously, we can't listen to uh, to the whole interview, but uh, the first quote that we picked out in our sandpiece um, article about this was sandpiece. I like that sandpit sandpit sand piece. <laughs> sand piece about this was uh, they just stopped paying me. This is football. <laughs> this is Thai football, anyway. This is Thai football would have been uh, a much better way of putting it, but. I mean that is the way things work, I guess. Over here, sometimes when it's it, it really makes me think about how non-confrontational Thai people are. Yeah. You know, when they want to do something, they will find a way that Westerners find completely absurd. I.e., just stop just paying stop the paying guy and them. hope he doesn't turn up again. <laughs> yeah. Whereas, obviously, in any Western organization, there would be a, a frank. Yeah, exchange discussion, views, exchange of views, and uh, and person would be let go. But it seems like Port just stopped paying him, and then he had to uh, he had to make the next move. And Choke, he he also said in this segment, he said he didn't have any problems with players or staff. You know, so he wasn't told why he was sacked. Right, he he just said, well, I haven't had any problems, so so I can only assume it was because of this COVID nineteen situation, mm. and the club is trying to trying to save money, so they want to get rid of me and my staff. Well, I heard from one source at Port, who's not a player, by the way, um, that most of the players didn't like working under him. That something like eighty percent of players didn't actually like playing for him, uh, and that doesn't necessarily mean it's because he's a bad coach. It might mean because he actually makes them work harder, which than Jadet. You know, obviously we know that Jadet's got a very sort of laid back laissez-faire approach to yeah. coaching and I think Choke was a bit more disciplined you could see from the way his teams played that there was, there was, there was a bit more discipline involved I, I think so um, and I, I think, think that possibly explains why the, why the players didn't like him but I think when he lost that AFC game and losing the the Champions Cup Charity Shield thing you know the sword was always going to be dangling over him from that point if he'd won those two games, you know, he 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 might still have been fired. But um, I think he was always on a. He got off to a bad start. Even winning, you know, winning the Leo Cup slightly, slightly saved that. But I think it probably did. But at the same time, I'm surprised she didn't just sack it then. Honestly, like I thought, because it, it was very plain to see from the images that we were seeing on the. Well, from what we could see in the stadium and the images people saw on TV, that she was very unhappy during the game. Which one, she, the ACL game or the ACL champ? Game. Or the, okay. the ACL game. She was fuming, and I'm not surprised the way we yeah. were playing. We were awful. And in the Champions Cup game, we were dreadful as well. Both those games, Port were absolutely terrible. Yeah, but yeah. they'd started the season. They, the the lead performances had been excellent. But yeah, I really did think that he was going to be got rid of before that because it seemed like from everything we'd seen in pre-season that whatever Choke was doing, it just wasn't working. Yeah. And, and we were going to see him replaced but that didn't happen it, it, but it's very confusing because she decided to do it now okay it, 
and people are saying, you know, oh well, the club's trying to cut cut the budget because of you know there's no income from TV, there's no income from from match days and everything. But since when have Port needed any of that? We, you know, we don't we don't, get we don't live within our means. I mean, we, well, how much match day income do we generate? Six thousand people paying what? Between four or five dollars a game. I mean, that's you know they probably make twenty five, thirty thousand dollars a game on ticket revenue. What's that? It's nothing. Yeah. So so that doesn't mean anything to Port. Um, and the fact that we've sudden had suddenly had a cut in certain revenue streams doesn't mean that we can't continue paying everyone. Yeah. It just means we have to fork out a bit more than we normally do. But that's for Madame Pang. I'm assuming that that's not a big issue. And uh, another thing is, if you want to cut the budget. There are better ways of doing it. We have players making obscene amounts of money. Obscene amounts of money. And you could probably just cut the player's salary by a small percentage and that would cover the entire coaching staff, I would have thought. Yeah, you could, you know, if you ask all the players to take, I don't know, 20, 30% cut during the shutdown across the board, then I'm sure that would cover choking his I don't know how much how much, how much is a Thai coach earn do you think do you I know? have no idea have you have no any idea, idea. No. should find out I'm, I bet you anything it's less than what Hebertie's on then I'll find out now actually I'll, I'll, I'll do this live during the podcast I'll ask somebody who probably knows <laughs> I can't say I can't say who <laughs> Tom you can probably guess who <laughs> but um, uh, carry on Tom while I just send this message Okay, so we'll uh, we'll move on to the next quote, and we'll come back to uh, to that if we do get an answer on on what choke means. So the next quote that we uh, that we included from choke was: "If I do something wrong and lose, I'll take responsibility. But if someone else is making the decisions and we lose, I've still got to take responsibility. I understand it's football; the coach has to accept responsibility. And yes, I made some mistakes, but if I'm going to take all the responsibility, then I'd like to make some decisions as well." Well, this, I mean, this wasn't really news to anyone who follows Port, but it was news in that it was very unusual for uh, anyone in Thai football to be so frank and open in an interview like that. Um, that was the interesting thing about that. We all, know, we all know that coaches don't pick the team. We've heard it from people at Port before, and it's pretty obvious where the real power is. What we but don't it, know, though, is the extent to which that's true. And this really gives the impression that it is... To a very large extent. Yeah, the, the coach has absolutely nothing to do with signing players. And, and I think and we can move on to the next quote because that does kind of elucidate this point a little bit. So he says, I don't choose players. This is talking about transfers, yeah, by the way. Yeah. I don't choose players. I get them and have to put them into the team. I have some input occasionally, but not much. I'm the coach. I'm in training every day. I say this player should play here, this player there. But I know I have to talk to my assistant my assistant has to talk to Pang and Biet, who is um, one of the managers, and uh, then I have to get approval. Someone else is making the final decision. So if someone else makes the decisions, what's the point of having a coach? Sure, she's the person paying the wages, but I'm the person who has to take all the responsibility. So this this really lays out the scenario for us, which yeah. is actually a little bit weirder than I thought. So Choke doesn't even get to make his case directly to yeah. Pang. He tells <laughs> yeah. his assistant that well the way the way it works is all very strange because because of Choke's situation in that he's not qualified to actually be manager of a football team. He only has a UEFA C license. The official name on the team sheet has to be Sarawut, who is his assistant who has an A license. But apparently even in the informal runnings of the club he has to tell Coach Sarawut his team. Sarawut has to then pitch that 
maybe even to Biek before Pang, and then eventually the team gets through to Pang, and she decides it's whether it's okay or not. I mean, particularly if I mean, I imagine Pang and Biak aren't watching training every day either, so they're probably not it's seeing not, how players are performing in training. So that's that's just bizarre but it does explain certain team selections that we've seen in the past it does it's but it's amazing to think that it goes through two different filters on the way to becoming the actual team that comes that turns out on the weekend yeah that's absolutely mad i didn't imagine it in that way i thought kind of choke um Choke would say, Choke here's picked, my, here's Choke my Choke start in 11, and Pang might say, well, maybe you should drop him and put him and, in, maybe. And maybe she would muscle in yeah. and, and do something. But but that, I, I would have thought, you know, but that probably doesn't happen every week. Maybe that just happens when she feels strongly about yeah. something. Or, they, or if there's been a bad result the week before and she... Yeah. But uh, but it really seems that it's a system which which is followed for every game. And yeah, Choke has very little input in that sense of what happens. He just, he comes up with a plan and they decide whether it's okay or not amazing and you can imagine that even within that structure he doesn't really get to pick the team he wants anyway because he's trying to create something that is going to be okayed in the end which means he's already probably tempering what he really wants to do in order to you know or maybe if I leave this player out she won't say anything as long as I include this person she does want in the team. So he's not picking a team with recent form or the opposition in mind he's picking a team that's going to get past the uh gets past the past the sensors the inspectors yeah that's uh that's very bizarre yeah it's again we 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 knew it in principle but we didn't really know it quite sure what the mechanism of it all was yeah this does also talk about transfers at the start of the quote i'll read it again i don't choose players i get them and i have to put them into the team i have some input occasionally but not much so that's how transfers work well, I, can, I, I can, yeah. I mean, that a lot of clubs work like that. In that, you know, the, there's a director of football, or, or the chairman chooses transfers. Then it's up to the coach. Or, I mean, that's how it's often worked in Europe. I mean, it's starting to go like that in some Premier League clubs as well. But Europe, it's always been you've got a coach, then you've on top of that, you've got a general manager or a director of football. He's the one who makes the, the transfer decisions, and the coach has to has to deal with it. So, in a way, you can understand that. But who's who's is anyone with any great sort of football brain picking the transfers or? Is it just a case of going out and signing marquee players to get bums on seats like Chapuis? Players who've got, you know, who, who there's no place for them in the squad. There's no logic to signing someone like Chapuis or Tanabu in last season. And this, uh, this isn't written in our article, but it was also included in the interview that he, that Choke was asked whether the Chapuis signing had anything to do with it. Which <laughs> <laughs> is funny that they even asked, and he he shot it down straight away. He said, "No, it's got nothing to do with that." But the the fact that you have to ask, you know, did you did you, that, yeah. did you sign just because they they bought this player, which is really funny. I mean, and it's not just like about Chapuis; it's the general trend of bringing in kind of players like yeah, Chapuis. Yeah, that are. Um, big big name, well, names who were once big and you know, faded faded glamour. Yeah, but um. But I mean, Thai clubs don't scout players as such, do they? I mean, we, most Thai clubs don't really have a scouting network as such. They just listen to agents and agents send them videos and, and, and that's pretty much how it works. Like we saw with um, Rolando Blackburn last year, for example. Yeah. No scout would have signed that player for Port. No, no. For example. No, it was most um, likely persuasive agent. by an agent. Well, apparently it was an agent who met Pang at the Women's World Cup and, and pitched this player to her. And wow. That's how he came in. Amazing. And also included in this quote, there's another 
thing I wanted to pick up on. Um, so if someone else makes decisions, what's the point of having a coach? <laughs> that's that's a very juicy quote, and it, it's a good question. What is the point of having a coach? If if Pang is going to make all these decisions, why why doesn't she just make herself? I coach? would like Pang for once to put a money where mouth is and say, right. I'm going to be the coach. I've got through all these coaches. I've fired these coaches. We've still won nothing apart from the FA Cup. I'm going to coach the team. Or me and Biak are going to coach the team. And just do it. Do it for two or three months and see how you get on. Would it be better? Would it be worse? I don't know. Yeah, good question. Um, it would probably be worse because I think the players at least have a good relationship with Jadet. Um, for a certain time. You know, we know what'll happen. Jadet will take over. Then there'll be a slump in June. Assuming the season starts in May, there'll be a slump after four or five games. Like there always is with Jadet in mid-season for some reason. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why. That's certainly the trend. Um, but I, th- I think she should just take over as coach, and then we'll then we'll see. But the so actual, it won't happen though because no, exactly. And, and we stop with her then. The real answer to the question is exactly what Choke is alluding to: is so that there is someone there to blame him to blame yeah. when it goes wrong, and she can she can uphold her position. She can maintain her position as just the benevolent owner who's who's financing it or she can stand there and hold the FA Cup when we win things exactly and she doesn't she isn't blamed for team selection she isn't blamed for tactics all of that is on is on someone else and she only gets the positive side yeah. when she wants it so I think that's the answer which Choke did quite well to uh, to point out and as you said before it's very rare for someone to point that out because and maybe Choke will find this out over the next few months and years might not get work again <laughs> coming out yeah. and, and voicing dissent f- against someone as powerful as Pang and especially when she has been closely involved through the women's team with the Football Association of Thailand over the years and that has also been the place Chokers worked yeah. most he worked with where he thinks he, he wants to get back into if he's what he said in his interview but if she writes a uh, a strongly worded letter perhaps <laughs> yeah. he's not going to get a reference after this a job reference after this exactly so yeah maybe what he said is certainly more more principled than we'd expect but maybe it's not the most intelligent way to go about things only time but it's tell. but it's probably what would happen in Europe oh if yeah if the coach was that pissed off at, at being pushed out they would you know you imagine if that happened to someone like Mourinho for example then Mourinho would be all over the media slagging off the, the owner who'd fired him and you'd consider it pretty normal wouldn't you yeah yeah you wouldn't you would certainly think well other teams will still hire him yeah you know, that, that wouldn't even cross your mind really so after Choke's interview came Pang's response this came the next day <laughs> and she wrote Pang's a novel social media post I mean what other what other medium would you expect her to express herself through other than through uh, through social media and uh, I haven't quoted her directly because I went through it myself and, and my tie isn't really good enough to, to exactly quote her. But I've and got it's the... a four-hour podcast in itself. <laughs> <laughs> Analyzing it is a four-hour podcast it in would itself. Be, if you went so word long. by word, yeah. It was a very long piece. But I, I picked out some things which I thought were important, which, which we can touch on. Um, first one, this was from the very beginning. She's just trying to drum up, drum up the drama and the support. She said, no one thought we could do it. Yeah, no one thought she could come into the club and and together we could achieve what we've achieved. You know, who would have thought well, a millionaire a little... could take a famous club with a fashionate pan? But 
fan Fashionate base. Fan base. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good slip. Actually. A, fa- a fashionable pang base. A fashionable pang base. A fashionable pang base. <laughs> and make them one of the most successful teams yeah. in the country. You know, who, who would have thought? Yeah, I think everyone. I would have thought everyone would have expected us to probably have won the league by now. With it, actually, with it, with someone with that much money, um, we should probably have done better than we than we have. I mean, getting relegated in the first season, for example, wasn't not ideal. Wasn't the way it should have gone. Not ideal. And uh, also in the same opening paragraph, I think she said to prove that women can do it. Women, women with multi-millionaire women who've inherited <laughs> inherited insurance companies and whose family own a bank. Yeah, it's funny. The, yeah, um, she hasn't had to break through a bloody glass ceiling or anything, has she? I mean, it's not like she was born in a shack in Clontoy and <laughs> had to scramble her way up the social ladder. I mean, that's that's ridiculous. No, not exactly. And it's it's funny because this season we did have our first ever female coach in the Thai league right yeah. Ratchaburi's coach is she still in place no as coach? So. did she make the start of the season well, I would I would say just to I mean Pang would hate to hear this but I think Chang Rai's owner has proved that women can do it before <laughs> before Pang did so uh, how do you like that <laughs> in terms of winning the league yes yeah but um, it, it's funny that this this woman at Ratchbury was the first woman to be named as head coach of a T1 team but in reality because of everything we've been saying about the way how closely Pang is involved with the way the clubs run I mean she's had far more input on what goes on at Port than the coach at Ratchbury would have had on what goes on there yeah, yeah so so she she has achieved kind of something in that sense although as you say it's there there are a lot of different elements to uh, to that and she also goes on, I was surprised by this, she went on in her post to list all the past coaches. Yeah, I wouldn't have done that if I was her. Because <laughs> that, that kind of yeah. makes the point against her rather than yeah. for her. I mean, we got through, what, five coaches in her first season. Well, I mean. I'll tell you who we got through. We got through Chuai, Paibun, Somchai, Gary Stevens and Wada. Yeah. Or were they were they all in our first season? They were all they in were. our first season, yeah, because Wada was in charge when we went down. So yeah, so we had five coaches in our first season. Yeah, and then <coughs> from there, um, Jadet came in and obviously lasted a good long while. Zico came in. Jadet's a... the only coach under her to do a full season, wasn't it? Two thousand eighteen. He's the only. He actually survived a whole season under her. That sounds right. Yep. So Jadet and then Zico came in for eleven games or whatever it yeah. was. Won one game, got sacked. <laughs> Jeanette came back in again Choke replaced And Jeanette again And Jeanette's come back again <laughs> Jeanette is really going to have a, Quite a history with Port By yeah. the time his, his relationship with us is, is done Which is I'm sure a long way off At the moment He's, he's still in good favour he's, he's done a good job In every instance he's been called on really Apart from as you say Things have slumped at certain points. Yeah, the, the, there's always going to be a slump at some point. But he's obviously held in very high. But most teams have a slump at some point in the season. Of course, of course. And uh, after after listing these managers, Pang went on to say it was a good working experience, which was different in every situation. <laughs> which is obviously just a kind of way of saying nothing, a way of saying yeah, that she saying gets some on. Some of them were shit. Gets on them. with everyone, <laughs> but. Um, yeah, why have there been so many coaches? That's why it's bizarre for her to write it. Why have we had so many coaches? I think maybe in her first season it was possibly inexperienced. I mean, who, you, 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 is there anyone there advising her as well? I mean, is there anyone at the Port Authority still who has any sort of influence over her? Because we know that the Port Authority still control things like merchandising and kit and club shop and stuff like that. Um, so 
I would, but I would imagine the final decision is hers. Definitely, but I think maybe, the first maybe. season it was probably it was complete inexperience because, for example, no experienced owner would have fired, would have brought in all those new players and then fired Gary Stevens, for example. No, because you could see on the pitch that, as I'll come on to later in my top eleven, that um, you know that he was turning things around on the pitch. Hmm. Um, so that, that that sacking didn't make any sense. I mean, bringing it, replacing him with super sperm didn't make a lot of sense either. Um, no. And then replacing Super Sperm with Wada quite late in the season didn't make a lot of sense. So um, the Zico thing, I guess, made sense. Firstly, because of his profile, she liked the publicity. Obviously, it got Port a lot of publicity, and he'd done well with the national team, so it maybe didn't seem like the, the stupidest thing in the world. No, I think that one that was a very different situation from the first five, you know, yeah. which all came in quick succession. But the choke move last season didn't really make a lot of sense at the time that it happened either. I mean, we're on a little bit of a slump with Jadet, but. I mean, he had no profile to take the job. That's the no. thing. He he doesn't have a history of successfully managing club team. Yeah, he just doesn't. <clears throat> and well, maybe now he does. <laughs> maybe now well, he does. Well, because... Yeah, I mean, his stock has obviously gone up. He's won the FA Cup and the Leo Cup and got Port to third. And um, and uh, yeah, I saw it pointed out by uh, by Gian on on Twitter as well. His his record win rate, like his 66% win rate or something. is very yeah. good points per game it's like 2.2 or something yeah. so I mean that's that's all very good although as I as I replied to Kian on Twitter that's uh, a small sample size I think it was 15 games Yeah. and I think you could pick out 15 games from most managers and have a good yeah. find you know find a good run of games certainly under Jadet you could probably find one that was almost all wins I mean we've had yeah, some yeah you could pick a probably 9 or 10 game 100% run for, for Jadet yeah, so. yeah. Okay, so um, yeah, another little note I wrote on that on my on my notepad was, you know, on the on the quote of good working experience that we're different in situation. People have different ways of saying yes because <laughs> yeah. that's all the coaches are doing at the end of the day. If they want to last, and this is probably the reason that Gary didn't last, is because he didn't say yes in the right way. And and all the other Thai coaches kind of know the way they have to behave with an owner like Pang. And, and to Janet, be fair, Janet certainly does. Of course, yeah. he's he's proven himself very adept in that respect. But I think all the other Thai coaches will have experienced other owners like Pang. Maybe Pang is unique in, you know, she's she's got her own way of doing things. But I think other Thai owners operate in a similar way, so if not Ratch- to the same Ratch- extent. Boriram even. Definitely. But Boriram have been successful, so. Boriram, um, I think it's probably the best example in terms of how much of a hands-on approach the yeah. owner takes he's he him more so than Pang sure um, so yeah um, next point I picked up on was the reasons given for removing Choke this was interesting so she mentioned you know, something we all assumed being knocked out of the Asian Champions League was a big blot on his record and she also mentioned that she listened to everyone within the club so this I think she meant by that that she talks to staff she talks to coaches she talks to players and she gets an idea for what what everyone thinks and, and this goes back to what you were mentioning yeah. earlier about how within the club there were people who were not necessarily happy to be uh, to be working under choke yeah what about the ACL situation that was that was bad wasn't it it was a poor performance I mean they were a good time they were much better than I thought Serres Negros they were they were very well organised they worked very hard um, and they deserved to win that game but I think if Port had been playing at their at their best the way they 
they've been playing at the level they played in the first four T1 games this season I think they would have beaten them fairly fairly comfortably and I think um, it's quite the, the lack of preparation there which he mentions the lack of preparation that's that's pretty clear that's exactly um, where I was going yeah I think when you when you've got that situation where you have you know the match is coming you know you have to prepare for this match and it goes that badly that's clearly a fault in the management yeah. you can't blame injuries you can't blame tiredness you've had all the time to prepare for that game and they were in the same situation as us it's not as if they were in the middle of a league yeah, or they were just much better prepared and much more up for it as well that was the main thing which is one of the things that comes back to what we said about the players not liking for him it looked like the players weren't playing for him and it was even more noticeable in that Champions Cup game against Chiang Rai players just didn't look bothered about about that game no, no. And, yet, and yet things look different in the first four four league games so yeah they, d- they did but also I think we didn't really face much adversity in those games and that's well, the Leo Cup final when we were losing to Mung Tong, scored two late goals to win. I mean, that's, that's true, you know. But that's Mung Tong, so that's <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, players get up for that. Yeah, exactly. But we did have some easy, easier games in the league. Then again, it's true. We drew at Boriram. That was a good result. Definitely, definitely. That out. Mm. Yeah. So the next, the next quote, as you said, is "Don't sell out friends." What What does that say yeah. to you? That that that's quote. a bit of a it's a bit of a, war, a warning shot. Fired, yeah. fired across his bows. I think the way the way she says it, because that doesn't give enough context, really. But I think the way the way she said it was, "I don't sell out my friends." Didn't you know, she go on to say something like, "He's not a man," or "He's not a real man," or something like that? Ooh, I didn't. The way he spoke. That was one of the translations that I saw. I didn't pick up on um, that. But she, yeah, but she did say, "Don't sell out your friend." Now, this kind of sums up her response to me. If she completely ignored what he said and didn't even put this long rambling post out, I think everyone would have forgotten his interview by now. She's turned it, I think, into a bigger deal. I know it's Thailand and you know, Choke's interview was kind of crossing a line in terms of Thai public life and that you don't publicly criticise people like that, especially people from someone like Pang's background. But if she just ignored what he said completely, risen above it, we, we maybe wouldn't be, we wouldn't be having this conversation now. No, Not to this extent. Not. But she turned it into this big drama and then she was getting all the players to have, the, have all these like sickening, arse-licking posts ghost written for them apparently <laughs> and, and um, it just made it into a massive drama that it, that it didn't need to be and for me now obviously I'm, we're not Thai so you know it's, there's, a, there's obviously a complete cultural difference here if a, an English owner reacted like that everyone would think they'd lost the plot and gone crazy and they'd been riled up by it and I think also whereas, whereas here in Thailand everyone's like posting hashtag save Pang after a saver from what saver from just someone <laughs> Pissed off because they've lost their job and given their opinion. It's it's perfectly normal. Now let's let's say let's in England. Let's look at say an English club. Say an English club owner fired a, a manager who just won the FA Cup and had won had won the first three games of the next season, drawn the fourth one against one of their rivals, and was finishing was sitting second or third in the league. If they fired him, then that coach went public and said, "Well, I never had any independence anyway. The chairman was always interfering." And then the chairman posted some long rambling post. Who do you think the fans would side with in oh, England? It, Nearly 100% would side with the coach. Everyone. Nearly 100% would side with the coach. Here it's almost the opposite. Absolutely. And we did a, we did a survey on, and some of you would have seen it if you use Facebook, on the sandpit, just like a, la, a, a jokey little survey to see whose side people were on, whether it was Team Choke 
or Team Pang. And to add a little bit of context before this, Tim also changed the Sandpit's profile picture to being a picture of Choke's <laughs> yeah, face. Yeah, a, a bit of trolling there, <laughs> just to try and influence the vote a little bit. Um, but let's see where the voting's at at the moment. And so the latest voting is Team Choke 22%, Team Pang 78%. Wow. It's uh, Which is probably pretty much the opposite of what it would be in Europe if, if a similar in a similar situation. Another thing that I think would happen in European football, which hasn't happened yet here, and I don't think will ever happen, is players or people within the club would come out and, and leak stuff to the media saying, I've been told to write this ridiculous thing on social media. Yeah, I'm yeah. not doing that. What are you talking yeah, yeah. about? Uh, you know, I had this sent to me and I had to post it. What's going on here? Plus in Europe, everyone would know it was fake anyway. Yeah. If you read some, I'm not going to name players but if you read two of the players who wrote these things on Facebook it was just so transparent that they'd either been told to write it or it had been written for them and posted under their name or someone was standing behind them with a gun pointing in the back of their head or something <laughs> I don't know but it was just so funny that yeah, whether I don't know whether Ty's actually believed that those posts were real or oh, I don't but I don't do you want think to Ty's believe those posts were real or not because I don't know I think some probably some do some probably do I don't know if it's all of that 78%, but a, a big chunk of that 78% probably think that it's real. Well, the, the amount of people holding up banners with hashtag save Pang on, on Facebook as well was just sort of... I mean, it's easy to believe that the, that the person who's posting it does um, share that sentiment when you also share that sentiment. You don't inherently think it's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous thing to say because you believe the same thing. Yeah. So, so if you are on Team Pang, then it's no shock that you know someone else whose salary is paid by Pang. Of course, and yeah, she pays is also salaries on, on Team Pang. And so, we know that players who who are kind of out of favour with Pang don't get don't get picked. We've, we've yeah. heard that before. So, yeah. And uh, next, we move on to what I think is probably the most interesting. It's the one I find most interesting in this whole interview. There is no club president who doesn't interfere. What does it mean to interfere? It's the duty of the club president to be involved. It's not interference, <laughs> it's working together. That was the funniest bit. It's not interference, it's working together. Yeah, I find, what does it mean to interfere? I find that really interesting. And that, that just goes to show that the understanding of what a club president's role is in Thai football is interference like that they are yeah, yeah. to be involved it's like I bought this I own this I'm paying for it so I'll do what I want with it basically. but but also like if you I think the way it's seen more than that is if you're the owner of a company you know obviously you want to you, you're going to have some say in how it's run I think it's you the are, same but also if you do it well you put people in positions who know more about a position than you do if you want to run a successful business sure you know, she's not an experienced football coach she's never coached a football team before yeah. So what she should be doing is bringing in a very experienced football coach who knows far more about football coaching than her and saying, get on with the job. Yeah, yeah um, I agree. Which, which is how most sensible football owners would work. But, it, um, but sadly, sadly not here. Yeah, it um, bring, brings me back to a quote I heard from a Man City player. This was in, a, in another podcast, I can't remember um, from where. But it was a Man City player who was around at the time of Taxin, when yeah. Taxin took over. And Taxin obviously took these, these same attitudes that Thai football owners have, 
although he knew that he couldn't implement them to the same extent that Thai football owners do. So he knows he can't do run the club in the same way that Pang runs Port, for example, or, or Nguyen runs Buiram. But he he went into the dressing room before one game and gave a little G up to the players, or what he thought was a little G up to the players. And apparently after he walked out, they all just like looked at each other in shock and were just like, what? What was he doing in here? What was yeah. that all about? You know, what on earth was that? And and apparently they were all laughing about it and joking about it and it seemed completely absurd to them. Well, I remember when Leicester, when Leicester won the league and got into the Champions League, their first Champions League home game, the programme, the match programme, the cover was a picture of the... Um, What's his name again? Vichai. His face in the middle of the programme with the other with the players' faces around him. Not no Ranieri on there. Mm. And Gary Lineker tweeted it and he said, this is a, where's Ranieri? Why is the why is the chairman on the front of the match programme? And of course loads of people who follow Thai football were like, Well, this is this is perfectly normal in Thailand. Um but yeah, it's a, it's a complete cultural difference. Like in, in England you'd never have the owner sitting on the bench, for example, or the mm. owner giving the pre match team talk out on the pitch. Although um, to to um yeah, to go against that a little bit, the way that things worked out at Leicester, um, obviously with them winning the league, no one was criticising him well, he by was, the time they'd won the league. I mean, for a Thai owner, he was sort of he seemed pretty hands off. You never saw him interviewed in England. You know, you, you never saw him on the bench or anything. And he did seem to be the kind of owner who would let coaches get on with the job and put quite a bit of money in. So he's probably not a particularly good example to use. Maybe not. Um, no. Or maybe he's just someone who said, "Okay, that's not the way he's been told. That's not the way we do it in England. If you want to last in England as a as an owner, you've got to step back." Yeah, may- um, maybe he did. Because maybe. Reading and Sheffield Wednesday have got tie owners, and I don't really. Yeah. The only way I know Reading's one is because she did that ridiculous pop song. Did you ever yeah. see that? That ridiculous. Yeah. So we are. What's it called? We are the Royals or something. With her in the video singing along with the players as well, and that's you know, that was a little cringe. bit of Thai football culture exported to to England. But but after I mean. <clears throat> Obviously, Vichai's um, run with Leicester ended tragically when he was killed in a in a helicopter crash. But after all that happened, no one had anything but positive words to yeah. say about the way he ran the club. And I 100% think that that was sincere. It really yeah. seemed to be from all the players and the staff. And they, they did like the fact that he was a little more hands-on than most owners. And it did, it showed you know people thought that he that he really cared about the club and yeah so so there are some positive elements to working closely within the club you you'd rather that kind of involvement than someone who just doesn't give a toss and, sure. and just you know doesn't show any interest and, and doesn't, doesn't show up to games or yeah definitely so there are some positives to it but yeah i mean the, it's not interference it's working together i mean that's kind of if i'm in the kitchen cooking dinner and just someone walks in and throws a load of salt <laughs> In the pan. <laughs> that's a good way of That's it. not working together. That's interference. And yeah, um, it's the extent to which at a football club you have to follow one person's vision. Yeah, right. Because one person, and and as we were saying before, that doesn't happen at a lot of European clubs. You do have you do have two visions working at the same time when you have a coach and you have a director of football. Yeah. And obviously, <clears throat> probably the more those visions fit together the better things are going to work but yeah as, as English football fans we're used to just there being a manager I mean the Alex Ferguson model who is in, in control of everything transfers and any everything any um, interference in his control is considered like 
no, the, the no end of the dare. world. No, no one, one would dare. No one would dare. That. <laughs> and, but he would have just threatened to quit yeah. if if someone tried to infringe on his area of control. Anyway, he would just walk out. But you do what Man City have done. You do what Liverpool have done. You know, you your owners who maybe aren't from a football background and don't know football and bring in the absolutely the best coach they can get and let them get on with the job and look yeah. how it's worked for them. Yeah. Um, whereas you look at. I mean, the, the example I always think of was Ratchaburi when they brought in um, Christian Zieger. <laughs> that was hilarious. You know, Ratchaburi's owner is what? He's a guy who's, in, who's, who's inherited, a, he's worked in a sugar company. You know, his, his family run a sugar company. He brings in someone like Christian Zieger who's played, for, played in the Premier League, he's played for Germany, he's managed in Germany, he's coached the German youth team, I think, or something like that. Yep. So he's someone obviously knows what he's talking about. And this sugar boy tries to interfere, interfere with what he's doing and that's just like, how can you be so arrogant to you, think that you, in your position, can tell Christian Zieger what team to pick or what to do? Yeah. And that's only a more ridiculous example than the Port example because they uh, because they picked someone to be manager who they could never have worked with in a million years. Yeah. They, sh- they should have known better. I think Pang does know better. She knows that she can't hire Klopp or Guardiola or something. (laughs) She knows she can't hire a real European football manager Mm. because because of what they expect, and she knows that she's incompatible. Gary Stevens, good example. Exactly. She Um, she learned from that not to not to do it again. And yeah, Ratchaburi are just kind of less self-aware in that sense. They think that they can work with these these people without realising how much they are interfering with, yeah. with what that person's trying to do. But I guess when you're from that background in Thai culture, like Pang's background or Fluke's background, you're not used to people telling you what to do or, or, or people saying no to you. You, know, you're, you expect your, to have your way. and that's Well, the word you use to describe all those posts, sycophantic, is, is exactly what most people in positions of power born into privilege are yeah, surrounded expect, with yeah. they're, they're surrounded with sycophancy all the time and yeah and it, it's a shock to the system if someone doesn't doesn't um, share in that so uh, final final thing to talk about here is obviously Choke's replacement Choke's replacement is Sudet <laughs> the spherical supremo he's brought in his replacement to absolutely no one's surprise um <laughs> One thing mentioned in Peng's post was that him and apparently also um, Biek, the manager, both walked into Peng's office unprompted and offered <laughs> to take a 70% pay cut. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, I can believe it from Jeanette. I, partly I can believe it from Jeanette because he should be doing that just out of embarrassment. Because what does he do to get paid? <laughs> what on earth has he been doing the last since Choke's taken over and when Zico was there? I mean, like the, your average director of football doesn't do that much, but he does. A director nothing. of football in Thailand, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Port. Yeah. yeah, he must do absolutely nothing. I mean, you see him at the odd like Port B game or a youth game or something, just like with his feet up. Tuck it, tuck it into some tuck sticky into rice some, and yeah. fried chicken. But what does he actually do? And that's that. I'm not having a go at him. Like he's just being given a role. You know, it's like what they do to policemen when they do something wrong. They get moved to an inactive post. That's what has been done to Jadet. He's been moved to an inactive post, and he just gets paid to do nothing. 
So I would say again, I would, I'm pretty sure they should was, be taken. Like, I'm pretty sure they were paper. scurrying into her office to make this offer like Sunday morning after Choke's interview came out. <laughs> That's entirely possible, um, yeah, or right. it's entirely possible that that wasn't the dynamic, and and they were asked to take a paper, yeah. and they and they agreed or whatever, you know. <clears throat> and maybe Choke didn't agree. Maybe there's more to this than meets the eye. We certainly can't um, take everything at face value because we're they, coming they at it with this naturally English cynical view view of things, but. Uh, yeah, I think it's a fair question to ask. So yeah, I think I think one thing this shows as well, and this goes back to the point earlier about Choke having to talk to his assistant and then Biek before Pang okayed his team. I think I don't think he had a good relationship with Pang, and I think Jadet does. I think Jadet at least is allowed to walk into her office at any time or call her up at any time and say what he what he thinks or what he wants and I think maybe Choke just had a really bad relationship with, with her where he didn't feel like he could talk to her she didn't want to hear from him yeah, and, he, and she kind of organised it in a way where okay you have to speak to my person and then she'll speak to me and, and that's that's not a healthy way to run thing, run things and maybe that's part of the the, the whole thing with the 70% pay cut as well maybe there yeah was, it could be or maybe Jadlet's just gotten no self-respect or dignity and he's just quite happy to do what he's told and take a paycheck which yeah like many people and millions of people all over the world yeah it's so, the vast majority of people yeah he's found himself a cushy position for, for sure and he's not done a bad job I mean you know, no we not, can't we can't criticise his could any, would anyone else in his shoes have done a better job I don't think so so no Certainly, given that level of uh, interfer- not sorry, not interference, working together. <laughs> yeah, given that, given <laughs> that level of that cooperation level of working together, <laughs> no one else could have done a better job. <laughs> so yeah, do you, I think we'll we'll start whenever the T one season restarts. I think Jeanette will be there again at the helm. I don't. Yeah, I mean, I, over, I don't think overall, we're I mean, looking I for someone else. Neither you or I were massive choke fans, were we? I mean, no. I think he was. He inherited a very good team. Um, I think he kind of balls up the title challenge because last year I think it was probably the best chance Port will possibly ever have to win the title because Buriram were poor Chang Rai were poor Bangkok United were poor um, he inherited a a very good team um, and I think he instilled maybe a little bit of a bit more discipline in that team possibly that- even Jadek would have done but possibly at the expense maybe of a little bit of the team spirit that Jadic generally good at generating that seems to be the general consensus I mean I had this conversation with Toby in one of the previous podcasts and he the point he made which I which I kind of agreed with was that I feel like Choke was better in training than Jadet is probably yeah like I've heard, I, I feel I've like heard he that, that there is some structure exactly. there's definitely some structure to training and there's a there's a kind of a purpose to training um, and training's harder yeah which is possibly why some of the players don't like him because we know that a lot of Thai players don't really like being uh, being yelled at now there was the um, remember in the um, one of the pre-season friendlies Nittipong against the Japanese team against the Japanese team I don't know if any some of you listening may have seen this there was a point in the second half when suddenly Nittipong turned around um, to uh, choke and started shouting at him and gesticulating at him and apparently Choke had said a bad word to him and like sworn at him to get back in position or something which is something you would expect a football coach to do but for, with, in Thailand that's pretty much a no-no especially for a Thai person to say it to a Thai player if it had been a foreign coach 
you might take it but for a Thai coach to to swear at a Thai player and tell him to get back into position is obviously a a faux pas but obviously it's obviously, funny Choke, Choke obviously clearly isn't someone who kind of follows Thai etiquette necessarily all the no, time no and, and it, he is generally thought of the public perception of, Judette, of uh, Choke is that he is hot headed yeah and that he he isn't made probably well suited to, to having this kind of job because he he speaks his mind too much well that's what Steve Darby if you saw Steve Darby's tweet on Twitter a couple of days ago I didn't actually or uh, was it yesterday actually saying that he's worked with Choke before so Choke's a really good guy but always someone who always speaks his mind which is yeah. unusual for Thailand obviously Steve Daly, Day, Steve Darby being a proper football man to respect Choke suggests Choke might be a, a Thai a Thai PFM yeah that's that's probably a fair Fair and he point. was, and he claimed he was drunk when he did the interview on Saturday as well, which gets him extra PFM points. Whoa, gangster! He apologised, didn't he? Apparently, choke. Nig was saying he apologised yesterday on Sunday for the interview to Pang and said that he was drunk when he did the interview. Yeah. Well, I can believe that he went and had a drink afterwards, <laughs> definitely. But I can also believe that he, that that maybe he wasn't drunk, but that he was told. Maybe by Pang, maybe by someone connected to Pang. It maybe might be a good idea maybe by someone connected to the football association. You should walk these comments back now, because if we are going to work with you again in the future, we can't have this dynamic. You know, but in England, that would get you massive PFM points. Getting pissed and then going doing an interview and slagging off the chairman and just fired you. I mean, that's that's uh... that is absolutely <laughs> top work. Top yeah, PFM that, that, work. to be honest, I think most people probably feel this way. At least most people within our kind of foreign supporter clique do feel a little bit more well disposed to choke after the oh, whole sacking incident yeah certainly <laughs> I am I'd, if the pubs are open I'd buy him a pint I'd him out for a pint certainly because it would get him talking like he did in the interview mm. and he'd tell you loads of shit yeah get a few uh, <laughs> a few Leos down him and uh, wind him up let him go oh dear so yeah any uh any further comments on the? I on think the we've just saga? about. I think we've just about covered it. Like I say, Pang's made it into more of a saga than it needed to be by her long post on Sunday. I don't think that was really necessary. Um, but anyway, it's happened, and we. It's happened. We're back, we're not in unfamiliar territory. Yeah, back with Janet, so we know <laughs> we know what to expect, and players know what to expect. And one more thing, maybe to bring up: Do you think Jadette will try to play? the new players who Jadette hasn't worked with yet in a different way to choke um, the thing with Jadette is that I, if I was someone like Canarin I'd be a little bit worried because Jadette doesn't like younger players mm, younger yeah. I mean we saw that how the way Anon was, was treated last season um, you know, younger players don't get a, generally don't get a chance under, under Jadette he tends to, to go with he knows what his first 11 is and he will well, again we're not sure if that's him or, or that's Pang but we know at Port there is a first eleven, and like we saw last season when Rochella was out injured for all those weeks, Tossapol came in and him and Dollar did great. But as soon as Rochella was approaching fitness, he just came straight back in. Mm. He didn't have to fight his way back in the team. And we we know that always happens at Port. Yeah. Once a player's out injured, they don't have to fight their way back. They know they're going to get back in as soon as they're fit, regardless of how well their replacement has done. And with this whole break now, <clears throat> when we come back, everyone will be fit. Yeah. And there'll be basically four midfielders, three or four midfielders in the queue ahead of Canarin. Yeah. So it's very unlikely that he'll so get not, a look in again. Which, which is a shame because I thought he was superb in those first three games of the season. Yeah. I wonder if he will 
try to play with Adisak up front or with Hebeti up front or with Suarez up front again there's no there's no way of knowing really I mean Jadet has flirted with all these different kind of systems it'll be 4-5-1 obviously because Jadet can only play 4-5-1 of course um, who will the one be will it be a false a false nine with Suarez will it be a false nine with Hebeti or will it be an out and out striker an out and out striker Adisak being the only person we have I would probably well if it was me I would probably have Hebeti as the one Suarez behind then you have Adisak off the bench and he always scores off the bench anyway much to your chagrin <laughs> um, so that's the way I would, but you don't know with Jadet because Jadet's not had to work with Hebeti or or, or Tanisic or Canarin or any of these new guys and Chapuis as well you've got Chapuis as a wild card there came on in Port's last um, not last game the last but one game mm. what was the last game wasn't it Which no it wasn't it was the last last but one game away at um, Sukhothai mm. Chapuis got some game time then but anyway one thing with Chadet, he has less of a well he doesn't have less of a relationship but I thought Choke had a particular relationship with the players he'd worked with at under 23 level who were players like Tanabun and uh, Jadet's at least less connected to the players in that way but he's also he knows the players from his time with Port anyway so he, he'll already know what he's doing yeah and I think Pang is someone who who will shoehorn Tanabun into the team if he's fit unfortunately because he's one of her marquee signings indeed so yeah. okay so we can uh, we can leave the choke saga there yep and uh, move on to our second segment where we are talking as we said before we're talking about our Favourite 11. Favourite all-time Port 11. Not what we think is the best all-time Port 11. And obviously this isn't really all-time, but all-time in terms of how long we've Since been we started supporting Port. So I, So I started following Port in June 2014, so coming up for six years. And I think you're about the same, aren't you, Tom? I think I saw we maybe a, a couple of games in... Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, very similar anyway. I'm not sure if it's... So it's basically about, yet, about six years of watching Port. So yeah. we don't go back as far as Andy's article did. But, no, uh, we've got a little bit of pre-pang in there, right? That's yeah, there's the a bit of pre-pang. There's a bit of pre-pang, but it's mostly pang signings. It's mostly pang era. Yeah. Okay, so we're just going to go through player by player, give, yes, give we'll our reasons. So, Fire away, Tim. So goalkeeper, I mean, asking me to choose my favourite goalkeeper is like asking me to choose my favourite Ed Sheeran song. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, we're, I mean, Port and goalkeepers just... It just doesn't happen, does it? No, Port, it, Port don't seem to think that having a good goalkeeper is is necessary to having a good team. Um, I've gone for Wachera, um, basically because he can catch the ball and kick a ball, which should be like the absolute basics for a goalkeeper. But at Port, that makes him pretty much superhuman um, compared to you know obviously like Ratanai is made out of biscuit and Warawut just can't catch the ball or kick the ball. We had Weera for a while, who was just a liability, and then is now driving a taxi, I believe, after being I banned from so. football for match fixing in yeah. that famous Honda game. Yeah. Keepers before that, I can't remember who they were. Um, so I've gone for Wachera because I think he's the, he's the best. He's right now the best goalkeeper we've got, um, and he and he's a rapper as well. And anyone who's heard his latest single, uh, which was released yesterday, I think. Um, I think Rush released in this middle of this whole pang oh, drama as well, yeah. and it certainly sounds like it was. Not wishing to criticise Wachera because I, I met him last year and he's a he's a top fella, but he should really focus on his goalkeeping, shouldn't he, rather than rapping. I think we can we can both <laughs> agree on that. Yeah, <laughs> don't know if that can even be described as rapping. It's, what he did in that video, uh, I don't know. But anyway, my so my goalkeeper is Wachera. Okay, and on to the defence. 
Are we doing my, all my team first? Are yeah. We do, all right. Yeah, let's do all your all team right. first. Uh, so defence, uh, right back, rather predictably, I've gone for Nittipong. You can't choose anyone else at right back. Well, I think Andy said in his article, you, you can you can think of a few other people who have played right back. Pakasit was, was maybe... A, he, he would have been there while you were sporting. Yeah, he, yeah, he yeah. Was, yeah. He was okay, but he was just very average. He couldn't. He was at the tail end of his career as well. But yeah, yeah we had a bit Nittipong, of I mean, it's just quality. We know his qualities. Impre's worked so hard, no improved so much since he since he joined. He's just a, a quality player. When we met him earlier this year for the interview, he's a nice guy as well, and he's, he just lives, breathes, and eats football. That's all he cares about is playing football. And if Port told him to play in goal, if that guaranteed him a game, he'd go and play in goal. That's kind of player he is and he'd probably do a better job than, than the ones we've got so maybe that's an idea not quite uh, built for the job but well kicking would be alright it's kicking would be okay yeah. um, and then the other fullback slot again I've gone for Kevin um, because I think he's probably the naturally most gifted footballer I think Port have got I think he's a very very good Ooh, footballer I think, he, no, I think he is he's very very he's, he's, he's very good I was impressed with him last season when he'd been out injured for so long and he came straight in in that cup semi-final and his performance in that game on, on that pitch in those conditions was was just phenomenal. So, and I can't think of too many left backs we had before. We had Pam Pam Pong, who's obviously we had Pam know, Pam Pong for a season. We had uh, Yosawa as backup. Yosawa um, only played a couple of games. I mean, before that we had we a, have before Pam Pam Pong. We, we had a guy who was on loan at Port, maybe from Buriram, from a big club anyway. Um, I can't remember his name. He was on loan at Trad last year. He was okay. He, I think that was the promotion, the promotion season. We had that guy for most of the season. But again, he wasn't remarkable. Yeah. No, no one has really stood out in that position. We've got Stoibler now as well, and we've got we're in the situation of having two very good left backs and Jatterapat as well. Moment. Yeah, Jatterapat yeah. seems pretty decent. So, um, so it's a shame for Stoibler because Stoibler will probably get into most T1 teams as. As, as left back so yeah. it's a shame he's being kept out by Kevin but you know Kevin will probably get injured at some point this season Stoibler will certainly get his chance he will be uh, useful at some point in some positions yeah. centre backs my first one now this is when I when I said before that this was my favourite Port 11 not the best Port 11 <laughs> I had to put that uh, condition in there to make you understand why I picked Lee Ho who some of you old, older Port fans will remember Lee Ho from the 2015 relegation season yeah, so we have um, to distinguish. We not mean, Lee Sangho. Exactly. We mean, we we mean Lee Ho. We mean Lee Ho, the tall, gangly centre back. Now, players like that are often described as Bambi on ice. He's kind of Bambi on ice on roller skates <laughs> after after a few drinks in an earthquake. Um, he was just one of the most uncoordinated footballers I've ever seen. Well, you, you remember um, the that famous Gerard slip up when? Yeah, yeah. That was he, just, he did one of them. He did several of those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and um, yeah. so yeah, he was he made defenders like Titus Bramble look like uh, Barese. He was he was a shock, absolutely shocking defender. But he, at least once every game, he'd pick up the ball in his own area and then just run all the way to the opposition penalty area, well, barging quite, people out of the way. Yeah. Um, and then there was that famous cup game against was it TOT? Yeah. Where we won something like twelve eleven on penalties, and he scored. I think he scored one goal in normal time, and then he scored two, two in goals in normal time. time. And then he scored two penalties or three penalties. Two or penalties. Something. So basically, he scored a total. Oh no! Of four I think goals. he scored. He scored one outfield goal in normal time, one penalty in normal time. Uh, that's right. Yeah. And then he scored the first penalty in the shootout, and then we went all we went the way all through around the players. Yeah, and he scored. And another. he scored what ended up being the final successful yeah. penalty. 
before the, the following TOT and player finally And then he quit at the end of the season and became a male model, apparently. Well, I looked at his... <laughs> I actually, I was having this conversation a couple of days ago with... Uh, yeah, on the on the last podcast, we mentioned Lee Ho. And he he lists his occupation as entrepreneur, entrepreneur. on his okay. Instagram profile. Maybe the modelling didn't, didn't work out didn't take well, off. But, yeah. And now he's an entrepreneur. But Seems he's... to be doing a lot of golfing as well. Okay. <laughs> but he's certainly one of the more memorable players of my... <laughs> Of my time at Port. And by the way, he didn't retire because it was the end of his, you know, the normal end of your career when no, you're, he was like when you're 33. Young, wasn't he? he was mid-20s. Yeah. 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 Just decided football wasn't for him. <laughs> yeah, I think, we, I think we all could have, <laughs> we could have told him that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening, Lee, very, sorry, but at least I've included you in my favourite team. So. Um, and the other centre-back, obviously, I've gone for Rochella, captain, leader, legend, five years at Port now. Um, just a quality player as we know from his back he obviously has a better footballing pedigree than pretty much anyone else at Port played for the Spain under 17 World Cup winning team or World Cup runner up team Euros winning team alongside David De Gea and people like that nearly joined Man City when he was younger and uh, he's just just a quality player um, loyal, very loyal to Port he decided to stay with us when we got relegated to help us come back up again which, uh, which a lot of players of his stature maybe wouldn't have done uh, and he's still there every season people sort of criticise him and think oh Rochelle has passed it but he just always seems to prove people wrong And um, so that's a more predictable selection at centre back than Lee Ho I think we will see I a think. lot of them yeah. yeah although if you went back in time a little bit further than from when we've been sporting port obviously Andy picked uh, Moisey Moise, yeah he's Andy's favourite player and before that there was Mario Cesar who was yeah. also there for yeah. something like four years who, who was had a very good spell as well so so there are other cult we've got Dollar now as well heroes. of course he's a very good centre back yeah. as well who I, who I could have included if I didn't include Lee Ho as a as a bit of a wild card just to make this conversation more interesting um, <laughs> midfield um, I've got an all foreign midfield actually I realised after I put it together uh, we're so not we're not sticking to quotas here clearly we're not sticking to quotas <laughs> now in fact there's no more tie players uh so my, you had just the right back, the left back, just the right and back, the and, the, back. and the goalkeeper. Yeah, and the, and the yeah. goalkeeper. Um, so right wing, I've gone for Saruta, Hironori Saruta, who again a lot of you will re- remember from 2014-15, the four foot three Japanese right winger. Um, the re- the main reason I picked him, obviously, he was a very good player and he seemed like a really nice guy. But he scored the the only goal in my first ever Port game, hmm. which was 2014 Port against Army United. Okay. And he scored a long, I think it was about a twenty-yard shot from the edge of the area, which went over the keeper. Um, so, so he scored the first ever Port goal that I that I cheered. So that's the, the main reason I've. As good a reason as any. As good a reason as any, and he's a good player, isn't he, Saruta? He was he's, a very good player. Yeah. Um, and on the other wing, I've gone for another Japanese player, and this won't surprise anybody who knows me. Is uh, Genki Nagasato, <laughs> the the legend that is Genki. Um, not the best player who's ever been at Port. Not even the best footballer in his own family. Because <laughs> his, his sister is a, a Japanese women's team legend, apparently. Yeah. Um, yeah. But Genki is just one of these guys who always plays like a fan who's got onto the pitch because he just he always looked like he was just absolutely loving every second do you, do you think, of being out on the pitch. You think if you put a Port fan on the pitch, they'd be able to run as much as Genki did? <laughs> no, but they. But they <laughs> they they look as happy as he did while they, were, while they were doing it and he always just you know, his socks around his ankles running up and down the wing and um, he just came across as someone who absolutely loved every second 
of playing football. And I've got two favourite Genki moments. The first one is the um, our first game back in T1 in 2017 against Ratchaburi. We were losing 1-0 in the 93rd minute. It was a corner and Genki headed it in and everyone in zone B went yeah, absolutely mental. remember the goal. Because um, we didn't think he, he would play that much that season. Cause they'd signed him for T2. But he played pretty regularly in, in that season in T1 as well. And then the other one is, the again, Ratchaburi, the away fixture at the end of that season. Um, Genki's last ever port game. My first ever port away win. And bear in mind, I started, which took how long? <laughs> which, took, which took three and a half years. <laughs> yeah. um, my first ever port away league win, three two at, at Ratchaburi. It was Genki's last game, and he was standing there with a tear in his eye in front of the port, port fans as everyone cheered him. I had a bit of a tear in my eye as well. So, uh, and he's still playing. He's playing for a team in like a Japanese regional league in Tokyo. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Genki. He's not the best left winger Port have ever had, but he's probably my, possibly my favourite ever Port player. So, um, okay. so I've got to put Genki in. Um, central midfield. First, I've gone for Ali Diara. I didn't see that much of Ali Diara because he he yeah, he left Port and then came back. So I saw him in the first half of the 2015 season when he was obviously a real quality footballer. Great passer of the ball. Read the game very well, almost as well as Tanner Boone reads the game. Um, <laughs> And then, of course, when Gary Stevens took over, Gary Stevens shifted him from midfield into central defence, and he played really, really well there as well. And then, of course, Port being Port, they let him go in the mid-season break when they probably should have uh, kept him. Yeah, um, and he really kind of sunk into obscurity from there. I think he went to tied Tobacco he, Monopoly or something. He, or something he, like he that. played with um, Saruta, I think, the following year in a T2 team. I can't remember. Was oh, it Lampang or Conken or something like that? Might be right. I think it's Conken. There was yeah, there were a group of Thai players who ended up at the same club. I want to say actually Udon Thani. Could be, but I know he played alongside Saruta in the second division. It was mm-hmm. like a bit of a poor old boys thing going okay. on. Yeah. Um and then alongside him in midfield I've picked Gosil Key, um a current port player who's just obviously quality, the hardest working man at port, as everyone as everyone says. Tells everyone he's gonna keep playing until he's at least forty. Um, and a master of the dark arts that we, which we've not really had at Port for a while someone who can um, you know do, do those little niggly little things that although you central have, midfield you have need. heard about the recent although spate get, of suspension he did get did he get caught for punching the boy around playing the balls eventually okay after the Thai league had a month off to uh, yes, look at these nothing. things yeah. once they got bored of making all those all African all South American all European 11s they finally got round to suspending some players and and the port group was about third or fourth on the list I'm surprised yeah. we weren't first to be honest because and uh, I'm surprised if VR, VR in that game didn't get picked up because we all yeah. saw it in the replay yes yeah. yeah so obviously what we're talking about was go punching um, I think it was Kevin Ingresso in the balls in the run up <laughs> in the run up to a corner and also suspended in that spate of suspensions um, Tanisit got one yeah. game for grabbing Kevin, someone Kevin around the well? neck Kevin got and this is the first time I've ever heard a of this yellow, right? he got a, re- a retrospective yellow card yeah which is yeah. weird I've never, I've never heard of that I've never heard of that happening either and yeah, so and that was just for a, a kind of professional foul, but not obviously as the last man. Okay, so. Um, and then the forwards, I've gone for an all Brazilian forward duo, starting off with who else? I think probably everybody will put this guy, everybody who at least was <coughs> been following Port long enough, apart from one person <laughs> who knows nothing about football. Um, I've gone for Leandro, 
Now again, I, I saw less of Leandro than others because I, I, so I, I followed started following Port Middle of 2014. He was injured at the time, so I only saw him for the last few games of that season when he came back to help save Port's top flight status. But a quality player, a bit of a showman, um, a typical uh, sort of Brazilian striker, lots of tricks, lots of flair, lots of shithousery as well. I remember one incident in front of Zone C where he went down and feigned an injury and then looked up at the crowd and winked <laughs> while the referee was booking the opposition player and things like that. Um, Bush gets was an arsehole when he did it. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, yeah, but he's our arsehole. We, football fans <laughs> always say that. He's an arsehole, but he was our arsehole. Um, and again, I think if Port had kept him for 2015, again, probably might not have gone down. Oh, I think without a doubt. You know, would you, the amount of goals he would have contributed. He replaced him with Brent McGrath, for Christ's sake. I mean, yeah. you know, there's no comparison. So um, I, I think there's only one person who wouldn't agree with this, but he's probably the greatest Port striker of all time, isn't he? I would have thought. Yeah, I think the only way anyone can disagree with that is just by not defining him as a striker. Yeah. Which people say he's an attacking midfielder, yeah. but but in this uh, in the Port system, I mean, you have to pick your your team in the Port system. Yeah. And Leandro sits behind the, the number nine anyway, so yeah. he's in he's in roughly where he should be. Exactly. And I've got for another Brazilian up front, probably the anti Leandro, which is um, Josie Mar, and the, probably the sole reason I picked Josie. Well, there's two reasons I picked Josie Mar. Um, firstly, is that we after we interviewed him a couple of three years ago now, wasn't it? 2017, when mm, he joined yep. Port, and he was one of the best interviewees we've had. He was just such a good laugh. He's a really nice guy. Um, and secondly, he always scores against Mung Tong. He's got a great record of scoring against Mung Tong. Good goals as well. Best one was last season. We won the up home to Mung Tong. Eight minutes to go. Josie Mars come back to the club. Hasn't scored for like four games. Pressure on him. Picks the ball outside the air and spanks it from about twenty yards straight into the goal. And why, why was the pressure on him? Because well, he'd, he'd, he he'd missed an open goal. He missed an open goal. <laughs> in the game. Yeah, uh, and he had gone what four or five games without scoring, and of course the pressure's exactly. on him. He, he was really having a tough time, and, and then he was... spanked that goal in, and the, the relief around the ground on his celebration was amazing. The celebration in the crowd was amazing. Yeah. Um, and he's he's probably a similar player to Genki in that he, he just looks like he enjoys playing football and he, he, he never stops running and he's it's the opposite of Leandro in that you don't see him diving and rolling around and no. shithousing he's just he's just a, a very very nice very very nice bloke very rarely um, gets booked hardly, I think he's been booked once in all the time he's played for Port and then he looked absolutely amazed that he'd been booked so I think it might have been a case of mistaken identity or uh-huh, okay, yeah. Um, but yeah I think he's like Gary Lineker and that he never gets booked he doesn't score quite as many goals as Gary Lineker <laughs> sadly um, but I remember at the cup semi-final last year when we when we, after the winning penalty went in I remember just someone grabbing me from behind and sort of jumping on me and I looked around and it was Josie Mars so he was like celebrating as much as all the uh, the Port fans were um, coach, I'm going to put a coach. I'm going to put a coach in as well. We okay. should we should pick the coach. Coach, um, I've gone for Gary Stevens. Um, I think Gary Stevens was very unlucky at Port. Um, he came in obviously, and we had that really bad 2015 team, which I think is the worst Port team I can remember as a as a Port fan. Um, Brent McGrath playing up front, for example. Um, licked them into shape in, in defence they got them defending really well we were still losing games but we, we, we weren't conceding many goals switched the system um, completely didn't he started playing with a back three yeah. and, and if had, we, he had the goalkeepers passing out to, to play if we had a decent and... striker in that team we would have climbed up the table pretty 
pretty quickly. Then of course Pang brought in a lot of new players. She brought in Nitty Pong. She brought in um, Rochello. She brought in uh, Kane, Kane, Vincent. Kane Vincent, of course. <laughs> but also, I mean, the, but players, the players who did give us a chance in the second half of that season. Um, she brought in Jirawat, yeah, a former Port uh, hero. I'm sure will make plenty of people's eleven if they if they go back a few years further than we do. And um, and she said, and she, actually, Wooty Chai, who contributed, yes, Chai, yeah. became top scorer from yeah. only playing half a season, played very well. And she said she would give Gary time with those new players, and of course, I think she gave him like one game or two games, and then zero um, games, zero games, yeah. Games. He, and then he didn't get to play with his new players at all. Then he, uh, well, I thought she brought in um, Super Sperm as like director of football above him, didn't she? And then I think there was some internal. And she brought him Weir after he'd asked, said he didn't want Weir in, and they brought Weir in as well, which you've got to side with Gary on that one, haven't you? I mean, oh, well, yeah, <laughs> you clearly. really have. Um, so I think I remain convinced that if Gary had stayed, we would have avoided relegation that season. And um, so I think he was very. I like the way he'd come out before the game, waving his port shirt around and getting the crowd fired up. And, I was going to say that was um, my favourite Gary Stevens moment. That's just, you don't see many people doing that. Yeah. You don't see many managers in Thai football who are expressive on the touchline yeah. who who try and get I mean, you don't really need to get the port fans g'd up but gary you know he, he did it anyway and yeah i i like all that I, i'm a primitive kind of fan i enjoy all that and he stuff. and he's been to a few port games since then as well he still comes along and, and watches port okay not for a while now. i think he lives in hua hin now doesn't he but um okay. yeah we've, we've met him at a few port games and uh nice guy and i think yeah i think if he'd been given a chance at port he could have done a, a good job but um but he's not. He's not worked. He's not coached since, has he? That was his last coaching job. That was what no. 2015. No. So, I think the fallout from his time with Army and the fallout from his time with Port were for similar reasons. Yeah, he's obviously not someone who takes to having that kind of interference from people who know less about football, um, which is, I guess, is to his to his credit. Maybe we'll have to get him in for a podcast and. That would be good. See yeah. if he'll tell us the full story. He won't tell us the full story, but, <laughs> but I'm sure it'd be an interesting podcast anyway. So Gary, if you're listening, next podcast. Brilliant. We'll yeah. come down to where him. <laughs> on the on the sandpit uh, budget. Yeah, on the sandpit budget. Yeah, we'll come down on a minivan. <laughs> I think we come down on the free trainer from the sandpit's budget. Tonight. Yeah, yeah, the train. Yeah. The train's only about forty baht to where him. You've got to buy the beers as well. <laughs> All right, so let's hear your. Uh... Okay, so my uh, my favourite Port Eleven. I think if we were to put all of our Port Eleven Elevens into a competition where they actually had to play each other, I think mine would come last. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at it now, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because yeah. I'm, I, you know, my... yours wouldn't score any goals for starters, but clearly, my, <laughs> I mean, my one of my favourite kind of players are. I don't know, kind of rough and tumble, not necessarily the most talented, but quite gritty. Um, yeah, you'll, you'll see what I mean when I, when I get yeah. into it. Definitely this team is not the most talented, but I think um, the, these are players... The, one of the criteria I judged this on when I was thinking about it was when someone scores, how happy am I? Right, because sometimes when a player scores, you just have a really visceral reaction. Well, like we said, like Josimar's goal against Muntong, for exactly. example. Which is but I think everyone was happy for Josimar in that yeah. circumstance. But sometimes there are some players who you really, really want them to get a goal. And if they did, you'd just go mental. And, and with other players, you know, they're brilliant. But when they score, you're just like, oh, yeah, yeah it's good, good, it's a goal. Yeah. But for some players, it's special. And I've kind of used that as a metric. Although, clearly, some of these players wouldn't score many goals. Still, <laughs> still, yeah. I still enjoyed it. Don't when, see when a lot they of goals did. in that team, Tom, to be honest. <laughs> anyway, so I, just, so I started with Rattan. And this is another criteria. I just You've got. not picked 
I know why you've picked that night. <laughs> absolutely nothing to do with goalkeeping at all. No, I well, read you like a book, young man. Yeah, so so I do <laughs> I do enjoy Ratanai's uh, Ratanai's social media posts yeah, and his, yeah, yeah, and his yeah, girlfriend's yeah. social media yeah, posts. Oh, yeah, yeah. Very good fun. Very Why enjoyable. don't you just put Ratanai's girlfriend in? <laughs> in goal? Yeah, I mean she <laughs> she'd last longer before she got injured. Yeah, maybe, true. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> but also another point with Ratanai. I mean, we we choose favourite players for all these different reasons. And when you and I used to go to these games back in the day, we always used to go out to a restaurant in Clontoy after the game the fish restaurant the fish restaurant just over the road they did that delicious salted fish and uh, Rat and I would normally turn up there about 30 minutes after us mm. um, with his mum and dad with his mum and dad and his girlfriend and everyone and he was at the time a very young player he was completely unknown in Thai football really he'd just come from the second tier and at, at the start he was just on the bench and no one paid him any attention and then after he started um, getting into the team in cup games and playing well he started to have more people kind of walk up to him in the restaurant and say well done and he always looked really kind of shy and humble and his parents were exactly the same they seemed like a very nice bunch all yeah. around and I just I, I like him as a person because of those experiences and then obviously we went and had our picture taken with him a few times during that period and, and he was so genuinely happy to to do all of that and it's it's nice when players are out and about going to the same places as the fans and everything so, so I'm not just perving on his girlfriend <laughs> I, do, yeah, okay. I, I do I do genuinely like about 90% of it yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. girlfriend's Instagram 90% fish restaurant 10% yeah, okay. there you go fish restaurant, isn't there, fish restaurant isn't there anymore <laughs> <laughs> they knocked it down two years ago alright so we've got Rat and I in goal I think we can skip through most of the defence because they're the same as yours Nitty uh, Pong and, and Kevin the same yeah, um, oh, you put, no, you put Lee Ho in as well. Yeah. Lee, oh, well, I loved Lee Ho. Yeah. I, I was a massive Lee Ho fan. He's the kind of clogger I like. Yeah. Where he was, he was a big lad. He win a lot of headers. He charge, charge up the pitch. I, the way I, I don't know how to describe the way he played football, but he would like when he dribbled, he would just knock the ball ahead of him, and players would just get confused. By the like maybe by the way he ran because it looked quite uncoordinated, and they wouldn't be able to tell when he was going to touch the ball again, when yeah. he was going to shoot, and he, and he would just drift past players in this in this strange uncoordinated like way. Like Paolo one chop, very similar. Yeah, similar to that's, one that's a good way of describing it. Long strides, yeah, and yeah. As you talked about the TOT game, that was also one of my favourite ever Port memories, where he where he played an integral part brilliant and my other my other centre back alongside Lee Ho is Dollar clearly they wouldn't function particularly well as a partnership <laughs> I haven't thought that far ahead <laughs> maybe Nittybon can run back and cover yeah, someone would have to <laughs> but um, yeah Dollar I really like Dollar from, from the first time we signed Dollar I think I got his uh, his name on my shirt the first season he's no nonsense he's very committed on the pitch he's a natural leader I like all of those. Improved a lot as well, can, yeah, since he, he joined. Really has improved worked a hard lot. and improved. Yeah. And I think now, because Chop clearly didn't rate him as well, I think he'll probably be back more regular in the team now um, Jadet's in. Yeah, I, I hope so. Certainly hope so. So getting on to, my, on to my midfield, I think this is where it gets really controversial because this is... <laughs> yeah. This is not a strong midfield. This Tom. is <laughs> it's not a strong midfield at all. <laughs> So, on, in right wing, uh, a Port player with one start. I, th I think that's going to be 
maybe an anomaly among people picking their favourite yeah. Port 11s, a player with one start. He did make quite a few appearances, but... Um, as a sub. As a sub. I'm talking about Terence. Terence Puhiri, the Indonesian wonder kid, YouTube fastest, sensation. Fastest footballer in the world. You, yeah. So Never have I wanted a player to score more for Port than Terence. And and I, I talked about that in, in other <laughs> podcasts as well, yeah. that that There was a moment in one of his last games where he... He had the chance to shoot and he and he passed, he passed yeah. and I was so he was screaming upset. At him to score. And that, that's what I was talking about with my criteria for goal scoring before. Never have I wanted a player to score more than I wanted Terence to score. Then I loved the way he would walk out of the stadium after training or after games and just wander through the sandpit on his way out, take fifty, a hundred photos. Yeah. He, was, he was really um, one of the stars of the team in terms of popularity if not on the pitch the amount of port videos from Indonesian fans that were being shared on YouTube that season absolutely and considering how little football he played yeah yeah so he was a star from the Indonesian fans he was a star according to our fans we couldn't stop taking pictures with him and yeah very, very likeable guy really wanting him to do well very disappointed that he didn't really have the opportunity yeah. to do well he has since gone on and, and impressed in Indonesia and he's getting plenty of goals and assists now for for his team in Indonesia so I'm glad he's doing well and on the opposite <coughs> wing a player probably similar in in style to Terence he, he was a runner he was a, a quite a one dimensional player in the same way he'd run he would cross he would dribble a bit I'm talking about Ekapoom and, and also and also a massive Klonto favourite. Yeah, for good reason. He, he's had two stints with Port. Everybody he, loved Ekapoom. Everyone loved Ekapoom, and he had a great attitude. There's there's a nice story about Ekapoom in the uh, in the period after the uh, Raman Nine passed away, where he took his motorcycle and went into the area where everyone was gathering and offered free rides to anyone coming to or going from that area that's typical Ekapu yeah. he didn't think about himself either on the pitch or or off it he was hard working and helpful and yeah I really really like Ekapu and almost every Port fan everybody likes Ekapu I'm sure he'll make it into a few of the few of people's 11s so uh, centre midfield I keep saying it's going to get bad and like this is this has got to be the, the worst part of the team I think <laughs> I don't know there's there's plenty of competition but in, in centre midfield in, in the holding role I've gone for Anon who again he's probably only started about four games maybe <laughs> four he was game, probably a little bit unfairly treated by Port maybe well I think so and I, I think it's the same with Terry. very good player and again there's no one who I wanted to succeed more than Anon because he he looked like exactly the kind of player we needed and and that wasn't necessarily from natural talent but I think he came from the, the Fox Hunt programme and you could tell it in the way he played he played very much like an English centre midfielder defensive midfielder where he he had his head up all the time I, I talked about I referred to him as a meerkat because whenever he got the ball he'd always his head would be up and looking around all over the place thinking about where to play the ball um, yeah he, he was just he did the the simple things right he was a hard working player he was a nice guy I chatted to him a few times and I really wanted wanted him to succeed and I was very disappointed that he didn't get the chance to do more yeah and his midfield partner and I'm not really sure I should have put him in this position to be honest but, <laughs> but his midfield partner is 
not like that at all. He, he was <laughs> a little bit more mercurial, let's say. <laughs> mercurial. I've gone for Gorka. Gorka under. The Real Madrid Velasco. legends. The Real Madrid legend. The Real Madrid C legend. <laughs> <laughs> the Clom yeah. Toy Pelo. Yeah. This is why that I could easily have picked someone like Go, you know, or Sivacorn certainly, who, who I. Uh, this is a little bit of a provocative pick. It's also just actually going back to my my original metric. I wanted Gorka to to do really well, partly because he was the only person in that team who created anything. Yeah, who could pass so, the ball. Uh, he, he's the only one who could pass the ball. He was the only one that could create, and he probably, Wooty Chai ended up being top scorer. I imagine. Gorka was second on that list because he did score some important goals and I was really happy for him when he when he did score because he was he was so alone in that team yeah. in trying to actually play football but there was just no other players on the same wavelength has he yeah you know, I think if you'd, was... had, if you'd had a striker who was on his wavelength we would have scored a lot more goals yeah I, I mean you're, you're kind of joking but I kind of I'm agree not joking, I'm not joking I'm, I'm being deadly serious I, I saw it I remember seeing it so often in games like he'd be trying to play these through balls, yeah. And it wasn't that they were shit passes into nowhere; they were passes that no one else was had the football brain to pick up. And if you had some like Leandro in that team up front, for example, they might have dovetailed a lot better than him and Brent or Brent McGrath couldn't dovetail with anybody. But, <laughs> but um, no, I'm I'm genuine in my appreciation of 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 Gorka. But with Gorka, it's um, a bit it's a bit more the case of like you know if if he was fit, if he was capable of running around for a good portion of the game he, he would be a really good player yeah he wasn't the fittest player was he I mean he wasn't he was a little bit porker some people call him didn't they? <laughs> so, yeah so I think uh, Anon and Gorka in, as the uh, the midfield double pivot <laughs> yeah it's an interesting Terence and Ekapu it's on an the interesting wings one. Yeah, Terence and uh, on the wings it's, it's you know what you're going to get from this team you know it's simple yeah. we've got a plan complete comedy yeah. we've, we've got a plan we're, we're sending the ball out wide we're, <laughs> we're playing long balls over there into their channels and chasing after them and all that kind of good stuff simple football team. simple football <laughs> and in, in the number 10 role you know, I've, got, I've got someone who's maybe playing a little bit out of position I could have put Gorka here but then I didn't know where I'd put Saruta who, who I have ended up putting in the number 10 role he again very similar to Gorka was the creative talent in his team he was there the year before. He was there the same year, oh, he was in 2015 as well. Yeah, but he, I, I think we saw the best of him in his stint before. Yeah, he missed a lot of the early 2015. He had a bad injury, didn't he, in 2015? Yeah, yeah that, that was, he was on the way out at that point. But before that, he really was unbelievable uh, for us. And he was the main... When he got the ball on the wing, you just knew that that was our chance. You know, as soon as he got the ball, everyone was just like, oh, here we go. <laughs> you know, so, something's about to happen. And I really, really enjoyed watching Saruta. He also... I'm not sure... I can't vividly remember my my first Port goal that I watched live in the stadium, but um, he scored definitely one of the first and one of the most memorable ones. Don't remember the opponent, but he picked the ball up on the right wing, beat his man, cut inside, and uh, curled a delicious left foot shot into the top corner. I'm probably remembering it slightly better than it was. <laughs> but he may have like bounced the ball off someone's Scuffed shins off on someone's the way ass, through. Or yeah. He didn't scuff it in. It was a lovely finish. But but uh, I love Suruta. Suruta was entertaining. He was he was everything you want from a from a port player. And as my striker, absolutely no one would be surprised <laughs> at all. Again, how many how many starts has he actually had as a as a player? Not many. 
handful, no more than a handful. Uh, I've gone for Artit, our very own Pele. Pele. Poor Pele. Yeah, no, no one, no one getting on the score sheet makes me happier than Artit. He. Yeah, his his goal at Chomburi. His, his winner, his winner at Chomburi, winner at Chomburi last in the three-two, the away game, the three-two win. That was brilliant. That was a great moment. It was a great moment. And he didn't know how to celebrate. Do you remember? He just he was so excited he couldn't decide well, how to celebrate. In the same way that you enjoyed Jossie's celebration, yeah, I enjoy all of our tit celebrations because he does look a bit. I mean, all of our tit celebrations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, all of them. There aren't that many, but <laughs> but he he did. He scored some important goals. He always celebrations always showed he that he was passionate. Goal. Nakamura last he, season. He did. I I really I've said many times. I think he gets a very bad rap for this because you can point to any other port striker and find an equally terrible. Oh, you can, mix, you can, yeah. and they just didn't get penalised for it as much yeah, as yeah. Artit did. And I think the reason for that is the importance is because he of that chance in that game as well. Not, this, I mean, not even that. I just think it's because he he didn't have the reputation with all these other players. You know, you know, because they've scored. Whatever yeah. Boscovich has scored thirty-eight goals in oh, the season Boscovich the year before, the worst you know Boscovich made worse mistakes than that. Yeah, exactly. You know, you know because of his history that Boscovich is going to come back and score. And with with Artit, he just hasn't been given the chance to show that he can do it. You know, for a season, he hasn't been given a chance to show that he can score 15, 20 goals, whatever. Yeah. And and that's why he got punished so severely for it. And I don't think it's fair to him. I think, <laughs> I really don't. Well, honestly, I, I, like, I'd rather have him than Chenrop, certainly. Yeah, in the, yeah. In the team. And and at the mm-hmm. moment, it would be very tough for him. Um, but having said that, he's getting on very, very well at Police. Yeah. It's, he's at exactly the right kind of club for him. Um, where he's starting every game, he's there, starting right? every game. They're playing a system which suits him. They're playing him as a proper nine, where he can play with his back to goal. He can he can get in the box and get on the end of things and yeah he he's playing he's at the right place for him at the moment and I'm very happy for him in that sense although I am disappointed that we don't still have him he's only on loan right he's only on loan but he's I mean you can't you can't see him you can't see him coming really back against him unless he does maybe notch up 15 goals for police maybe. which which seems unlikely yeah but yeah not with Adisak doing well as well. Yeah, well, we'll see. So, uh, we'll see if that continues or not. Obviously, you're hoping it, you're hoping it doesn't. <laughs> well, I'm hoping. <laughs> I don't know. Well, of course, I'm hoping that he does well for us. But yeah, going back to like, how happy are you when someone scores? <laughs> I am very, very unhappy in that sense when he when scores, scores. Just because I get no when when Adisak scores, just because I'm getting so much abuse from everyone <laughs> and you're, you're going to owe a lot of beer aren't you as well if he scores if he scores a lot of goals I, I'm going to owe one beer to uh, Jim Jim and Peter and right? Peter for every goal that he scores above five okay and he's on two already right? he's on two already yeah. well, I wonder what happens if the seasons get season so yeah so you're quite happy this virus is I, I think I get I get beard regardless I mean it's only three beers each for them in that yeah. circumstance so I think that would be fair. I would say bets are off, aren't they? If the season, no, of course, the season's cancelled. No, well, we, well, we did say actually before, like if he gets injured, that doesn't matter. Okay. And if he leaves at half the halfway point of the season, that doesn't matter either. You know, we've factored that into it. So I think, to be honest, I think the the coronavirus has to be in the same category as as a severe injury or a or a mid season transfer. Okay. I think maybe. 
Maybe the others will disagree. I think they might. I suspect they might. They might well disagree. I, I, I think because it's I three beers. Disagree. I think because it's three beers. Maybe I'll get away with it. But anyway, I think the what season if he scored will... seven goals already and the season was cancelled? What would you be thinking then? What would I be thinking then? If he scored shitloads of goals already and then the season was cancelled, and it was you who owed the beers. Oh, I see what you mean. Mm. I'd pay up for for two or three beers anyway. Yeah. You know. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. There we go. There are our favourite so 11s. If anyone else wants to tell us your Port 11, then you can post, then you can uh, just let, let us know on the Facebook page or email us or leave a message on the website somewhere or tweet us. Yeah, we, uh, we encourage you to send Facebook. in your... Facebook.com slash Port FC Sandpit, Twitter at Port FC Sandpit. So, there we are for today. It's nice to, uh, nice to have got together during this... Yeah, alleviate our, our boredom. Had a couple of beers. I haven't had a beer for a few weeks, so that was enjoyable. Good, good. Yeah, I, I um, stockpiled beer. Like there was, there was a rumor going around yesterday that there was going to be a beer ban, a two-week beer ban. So I went around to the local Seven Eleven and just bought every four-pack of Leo they got in there. <laughs> and then by the time I got home, the beer ban had already been exposed as a hoax. So I've got <laughs> a fridge full of beer now. Whatever you're gonna do with that? Oh, I don't know what I'm gonna do with it. I have to give it away to charity or something. No. <laughs> but, uh, no, it's, it's a nice problem to have. Too much beer. Yeah. So, um, thanks, guys. We'll, we'll try and get another podcast done as soon as possible. Anyone else wants to join and do a podcast? Then uh, let us know. Yeah, let us know. We're happy to. Uh, we can do. We can do them over the phone. We can. Uh, we can do them in person. So yeah, we can do social distancing podcast. I'm, I'm sat about a meter away. Is that? from you at the moment Tom is that yeah. acceptable social distance I, I think so I think yeah. so we haven't shaken hands or anything we so. haven't shaken hands or kissed or anything like that no not yet no anyway, bodily fluids no bodily exchanged. fluids no. <laughs> we've only had two beers so, so. okay so cheers and see you guys again for the next one alright bye everyone